What's going on, guys? This is our 100th episode. Uh, never thought we would say that. Uh, we went into this whole thing just wanting to talk some football, me and Coach Walls. We decided, hey, this might be a fun thing to do a few times. Uh, do it a couple times a week, and uh, now a little over a year later, we're on uh, episode 100. We've got RTP Premium, um, and and we just did a virtual summit. Uh, I, couldn't think of a better way to spend our off season than to be talking ball and learning ball from you guys. I want to thank you guys so much. Uh, thank you to all of the guests that we've had on, all of our listeners, and obviously all of our sponsors. Um, we love that we get to talk football in the off season. Uh, is it quite a bit of work? Sure, it is. But uh, we would we wouldn't want to be doing anything else than learning and. Uh, growing the football community. So we want to thank you guys for, for a successful 100 episodes. Here's to hopefully um, at least 100 more. Uh, we love what we're doing. We hope you guys do too. Uh, we're getting great feedback from it. So thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you guys do for football. Um, we are more than happy to uh, be able to give back and get so much from you guys. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by GoRoute. GoRoute brings practice efficiency into the 21st century with on-field digital risk coaches. Trusted at practice by more than 350 high schools and 30-plus FBS and FCS teams, GoRoute allows coaches to instantly send scout cards and installs to players so they can stay up-tempo all practice without the need for binders or managing multiple huddles. Compatible with all major play-drawing systems and hand-drawn cards, GoRoute teams routinely double or triple their practice reps daily. If you value practice time and want the best preparation, then you need to go no scout cards with GoRoute. Learn more at www.goroute.com, which is G-O-R-O-U-T, email at sales at goroute.com, or just give them a call at 866-777-1448. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Sideline Power. Sideline Power is the industry leader in coaching communication. Offering cutting-edge technology and innovation, Sideline Power helps coaches around the country elevate their programs to the next level with new and used headsets, end-zone cameras, drones, portable sound systems, timers, and much, much more. Sideline Power works one-on-one with some of the most influential coaches and nationally ranked programs in high school football. They continue to help coaches push the envelope of player and program development. Throughout their expansion of their product offering, Sideline Power has remained committed to offering quality coaching communication at price points for every program. They're family-owned and operated with a customer-first mentality. Sideline Power is truly the number one choice for coaching communication. Visit them at sidelinepower.com, at info at sidelinepower.com by email, or give them a call at 800-496-4290. This episode is also brought to you by uh, Guardian Caps. Both of our programs uh, at Broken Arrow and Ankeny invested in Guardian Caps this year, and we feel that they are really helping our guys out. Uh, they're soft shell helmet covers that reduce impact during practice and are used by over 100 colleges and 1,000 high schools. Texas, Clemson, Oklahoma are just a few of the colleges using them right now. Check out our show notes to see what Coach Lincoln Riley has to say about them at OU and to get some pricing. Uh, and they're actually a lot more affordable probably than you guys would even think. Uh, Go check them out at guardiancaps.com. On the centennial episode of RTP, we talk with Brennan Marion. Coach Marion is the offensive coordinator at William & Mary University in Williamsburg, Virginia. Listen as we talk with Coach Marion about his unique journey through JUCO football, 
the University of Tulsa, and the NFL, how football has saved and shaped his life, being a high school head coach at a smaller schools, and increasing player interest and passion for the program, and his never-changing offense philosophy of tempo, running the football, and throwing the ball deep. You can follow Coach Marion on Twitter at BrennanMarion4. Hope you guys enjoy. How's the new job, Coach? Just trying to figure, you know, just trying to meet the guys. You know, the, the hardest thing when you're a high school head coach in your mind, it's like, I got to meet all the players, got to meet all the players. So just trying to, you know, do the whole recruiting thing, but still get to know all these guys is, you know, big for me, trying to get to make sure I know these guys first. Yeah, this is a time, I'm sure you guys, you know, I see a bunch at our high school, but you guys are out pretty uh, pretty hard and, and heavy right now recruiting, recruiting-wise. Yeah, it was good for me. I got to spend an extra day here, uh, you know, in Virginia because, you know, my one of my recruiting territories is like froze over right now. So <laughs> it's good that I can be here and, you know, meet the guys and hang around them. Coach, talk a little bit about, you know, that, that transition going from, from something that's, you know, pretty familiar. You guys have been rolling a little bit offensively and now you guys go take on a, a new challenge, kind of, you know, talk through maybe a little bit of the mindset of it and, you know, kind of the steps that you're going to do. Obviously, you now you're, you're basically recruiting two sets of guys, you know, the guys that are already there. And then obviously some of the, the kids that are going to come in and, and help you guys set up what your guys' vision is of the program. I think for a coach, anytime a challenge is a great thing. I mean, our job is really, truly problem solving and finding solutions and, you know, being of service to kids in need. So um, anytime you get a new situation, you know, the biggest thing with me is just building the relationships and learning the new, learning the guys that we already have, the retention of the players that we have, not only just the retention of the body of the player, but, you know, the spirit, the mindset, you know, trying to build that culture first, you know, before we get to, you know, yelling at them and telling them what they need to do, you know, obviously they need to get to know us first. And then, you know, seeing what the weaknesses on, on the roster are, you know, making sure we, go out and attack those needs and get the guys that, you know, can help us win. Um, a lot of great high school players out there. Um, just, you know, making sure that we get the right guys that are going to fit our culture and our mold um, and then, you know, ultimately can make an impact, you know, on and off the field for us. Is that something when you're going into uh, a new program that you've got like a uh, a blueprint almost already built in for for how you want to go in and how you want to start um you know really developing that culture with those guys I, I know I I read the um uh Urban Meyer book I think is what it was and he had a whole blueprint of of how to go into a, a school and and how you know when you do first take a job and how to start ingraining that culture and and what those first few months look like and and I was a part of um Houston I was leaving when Tom Herman came in and and I, I got to since I was a senior and graduating I kind of from afar got to watch him come in and and see some of the tactics and different things that he was using so is that something that you go in with the blueprint you guys even talk about maybe about how you want to start ingraining or start building your culture coming in or is that something that you just kind of fill out feel out and and start working through as you get there yeah I think we all have a a, a blueprint now I mean if you're in this uh, profession long enough or 
you know, working with kids long enough, I think the biggest thing is showing them that you care about them and you're there to, you know, make an impact in their life and have a positive influence over them. And I think that's the one thing that Coach London does so well. Um, you know, his his track record is nothing nothing but caring about, you know, the individual and helping young men succeed. So um, going in, just hearing his name, players already know that they're gonna, what type of man they're going to get, um, you know, from the top down. So then when you, you know, talk about building your offense or, or defense or whatever the case may be, um, you know, the, the blessing of working with Coach London is, um, you know, he lets you run your deal, you know. So me being the offense coordinator, he lets me run it and create the culture of, you know, uh, how we're going to play and, and, and what we're going to be like. So um, knowing those guys is big for me because I don't feel like I can challenge a guy unless I, you know, have a relationship, connect with them. So my biggest thing is connecting first. And you can connect all types of ways, whether it's the first thing with me is just sitting down and telling the, the kids who I am. You know, obviously it can't be just a one-sided deal. A relationship is, is two people. Um, so letting them know who I am, what, what my goals and dreams and aspirations are, my mistakes in life, you know, just, you know, transparency builds trust, I feel like. So that's that's the biggest thing. And then just getting the guys to open up to me, um, you know, through board games, bowling. I mean, I've tried it all as a high school coach. I mean, anything you could think of, we've pretty much tried. So, you know, when I created my little culture book or how you would build a program, you know, whenever I get to be a head coach again, you know, all those little details are in it as far as, you know, getting to know the guys and the relationships that you create. You talk about being, you know, very transparent and, and even talked about, you know, some of your pitfalls or downfalls that you want to share with the kids. Is that something that, that you try to do fairly quick or is that something more where, where you've got to build a relationship with those kids before you feel comfortable, uh, you know, sharing some of those, you know, downsides or missteps or, or whatever you want to call those because insecurities maybe even that uh, th those are they're the um, – you know, where I get kind of caught up or, or when is it that you feel comfortable, you know, kind of showing those things uh, to those kids? I think we're in the, uh, you know, microwave era and these kids can seek out a lot of information. So I think it's, you know, a lot of the times, you know, especially at our level, uh, the information is pretty much already out there on you, you know, a lot of your information. So I think it's good to just give it to them up front. Um, so then they know, you know, who they're working with and you know you're, who you're working with as far as the players as well. Um, and, and I haven't had any, you know, issues with that as far as, you know, just letting guys know who I am because ultimately these kids can look up everything. Well, you know, these kids get all the information. They don't have the application, you know, that us older guys have and experience that we've had. You know, we played outside and, and they Google everything. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> right. we learned a different way. But, you know, they also, you know, can seek out the information a lot faster than we can. Coach, I know you you played at Tulsa with some of the the guys that I kind of grew up with in, in my coaching career, and you know you, you know some of the same guys, guys like Bill Blankenship and and uh, Gus Malzahn. Could you talk a little bit about you know the impact that your experience at, at Tulsa kind of has had on your career moving forward into the to the high school ranks and now being a, a college OC? Yeah, I mean I was blessed to be you know around great coaches I mean like you know I think all the way down to our last GA Jake Spavadol you know it's been a chance to be a coordinator head coach you know like pretty much all those guys that were at Tulsa when I was there uh the two years that I got to be there 
you know, went on and did great things. So just seeing, you know, I'm an observer and I, you know, I don't feel like I, I feel like you can learn from everybody. Just seeing the different ways that all those guys were successful in their own different ways. They all had unique personalities and, you know, different things about them. Like Norvell is, you know, high energy, great detail, right? Coach Malzahn is, you know, like larger than life, dream big, great confidence. You know, Coach Blankenship was more of, you know, relationships and, and you know, just getting guys to play for him because he was great with relationships. Coach Graham was like, you know, just passion, like, like extreme passion about everything that he did. You know, like just seeing the different guys and how they worked and entertained and, you know, things that made them different, you know, um, some great things that I took into my, uh, you know, going into my coaching career, you know, because I always say you want to be like, the great coaches you were around and you want to make sure you're not like the bad coaches you were around, you know, that you, <laughs> you know, when you, when you get into coaching. So, you know, it was great to have those guys. Yeah. Of the guys we've talked to. And then obviously with our, uh, you know, our experiences, uh, we've heard that quite a bit, you know, and, and uh, with certain guys, especially the ones that have gone through multiple coaches that say, you know, they pick and choose. It was good for them to pick and choose some of the good things that these coaches did, but, uh, you know, a lot of what it comes back to is guys saying, I really didn't like, you know, certain ways certain coaches would, would handle things. And I tried to pick those those different things out and really tried not to do those things. No doubt. I mean, like, you know, our offense is basically a whole creation of of different things that, you know, I've, I've patched together from the guys that I've I've been around, but also some creative things that we're the only ones who do certain things that we're doing. And a lot of that confidence comes from, you know, playing for a guy like Coach Malzon, who we knew who was a high school coach and, you know, had the situation at Arkansas and came over to Tulsa and was like, all this stuff is going to work and we're going to be the best offense in the country. And, and we were like, Coach, how, why? You know, like, and he was just like, because we are. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and, it, and, it, gonna happen. and it happened. It, you know what I mean? So just – Seeing that confidence exuded from him gave me the confidence to be like, all right, I'm going to try my own offense. Where, you know, when you know something good already, I think a lot of times, you know, I tell guys all the time, they get caught up in, you know, copying, but they don't know exactly why a guy does all those things that he did. So, you know, when I finally broke away from, you know, just running, you know, Malzahn or, or uh, Norvell's system, when I started running my own system, you know, uh, it was being around a coach like Coach Malzahn that gave me the confidence you know, to run my own. Coach, now you, you, you were the – are you still the all-time leader for yards per catch? Is that, is that what I've, I've read or, or heard the legends? Yeah, that's, that's, still, that's still going. Still, <laughs> still going. So, so, I can't, so I can't run now, so I'm glad I used to be able to run. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but knowing that, right, I, I would imagine, right, you know, in, in your offense you probably, you know, th- that being the deal with you, hey, man, I was, I was a deep threat. I hit a lot of big plays. I – I've got to imagine a huge part of, of your play calling, you know, persona or ability is, is having shots and, and finding ways to, to throw the ball deep, you know, and, and, and honestly, that's always kind of been one of my favorite parts of the game because I was a receiver too, man. Hey, let's, let's go score quick and demoralize some of these guys. You know, can you talk a little no bit about, a little bit about that and kind of how you game plan it or how you think about it, how you have it on a call sheet, when you want to call it. Uh, I've been kind of dying to ask you that question. Yeah, man, we've been blessed. Like the last two years at Howard, we were number one in the country in yards per completion. You know, yards per catch had a receiver finish number one in yards per catch. 
Um, Newton's been up there. So uh, the big thing with that is, you know, growing up with the Steelers, uh, you know, and seeing those old highlights of them running the football over people and then throwing it deep, yep. you see Lynn Swan and all that. So I always wanted to, you know, be a deep threat type of guy like Lynn Swan and Randy, you know, like seeing those guys that went deep, stretched the field vertically. But how we do it basically is, our two-back deal, you know, it still comes down to the, the one safety, two safeties, no safety, checking the roof. And and a lot of these teams want to play match quarters. And, you know, it sounds really good in the clinic that we're going to be able to stop a guy with the, with the safety, you know. But we move our guys around. I think, um, you know, we try to get them in the best best matchups. And we try to get our, our speed guys, obviously, on the, on the guys on the defense we feel aren't, aren't as fast. And we get them down the field. Um, and, you know, how will you do that is all predicated on, you know, we are a running team and we're going to be physical and we're going to force force guys to, you know, put extra hats in the box uh, to stop the run so we can throw it deep and, and get it down the field, push it down the field vertically. But like you said, being a receiver, there's nothing worse than a one-play drive for a defense. I, it'd be hard-pressed for any defensive coordinator or defensive player to say, you know, when a team scores in one play, it really just takes the air out of the stadium, takes the air out of the defense. So, you know, that's always our goal. Anytime the, I always say it's like playing blackjack. Anytime the cards will let us gamble, <laughs> you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to throw it deep as much as possible. And I think, you know, nobody's throwing as deep as much as we do. You know, here announcer, we played Ohio earlier uh, last year in the season, first game, and we, we are throwing that thing deep as much as possible. You know, anytime we can, we're going to try to drive it down the field. I just feel like a run play should get us five to six yards. We don't have to hitch it all the way down the field. You know, so I think that's, you know, where it comes from. When it comes to recruiting, are, are you looking for those, um, and it's almost a cliche, but those diamond in the rough type, uh, you know, speedsters that, that, that can take the top off? Uh, I know that for whatever reason, there's so many of those guys that are, that are very under-recruited, it seems like. Uh, just, just for my time at Houston, we had two. Uh, big time burners uh, with Tyron Carrier, who wasn't a big recruit, and uh, Patrick Edwards, who's actually a uh, a walk on, uh, and, and ended up you know setting a bunch of records there as being you know really fast guys. But both of them very under recruited, probably because of their size, but but had the speed and grew into you know big time receivers at the college level, anyways. And so uh, is is are those the type of guys that you look at, or or, or how are you trying to find those guys that? that'll come play for you that, that do have those abilities. See, I think that's the thing that a lot of, a lot of coaches get lost in, you know, they think because a guy's a certain size and everybody's looking for the next Calvin Johnson or Randy Moss. Right. But <laughs> you see a guy like, like Carrier, right? He was, he couldn't been, he couldn't have been taller than 5'10", correct? No, I no way. He, he was short. That's yeah. probably being nice to him. <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? And, and I'm yeah. 5'11", right? You see what I'm saying? So, at Howard, we got in there, and uh, there was a kid already on the roster, uh, Jaquez Ezzard, who had 26 yards of catch this year, and I think it was like 25 the year before, 1,000-yard guy for us. And they were saying that he was just a kick returner, you know, elusive guy, basketball-type guy. Um, and, and we used him to stretch the field vertically. He was our X receiver or our nine-man is what we call it in our offense. Yep. And, you know, he went down the field all the time and went deep. You know, and people say, well, he's only 5'9". <laughs> you know, he's not 6'3". He's not, you know, so I think you're looking at attributes that you can't coach, you know, and it's not a size thing. It's a, does this guy go down the field and track the football and can he make that play? 
You know, does he like that high pressure situation? Because when you're a guy who's going deep like that, I mean, you're only going to get probably four or five balls thrown your way in a game. And if you make two or three of those, you have a hundred yard day or 200 yard, just depending on the type of day that you'll have. And, uh, you know, it takes a lot of skill and confidence to go down the field and, and be that guy. Cause I always feel like anybody, any division one receiver can catch a hitch. You know, or they won't. You won't be a scholarship guy. But it's finding those guys that can, you know, really go down the field with a guy draped on them. Can they still make that play and and finish that play? There's not a lot of guys that can do that. So I think you know when when I'm recruiting, I'm looking for guys that have a great deal of confidence, a, a great deal of speed, who who you know definitely are are underrated. You know, they might have not got all the catches that they, you know, were supposed to get, but. You know, in our offense, it doesn't matter what size you are. If you can go down the field and make those plays, I think we give you that opportunity instead of just looking for a a certain body type. I like to look at my receivers as a as a basketball team, you know, where you have a, a big man, a small guy, a shooting – you know, like you have a different, different skill sets and you just put those guys and let them operate in their strengths. Yeah, coach, I I love taking you know that that mindset. I, I love how you can you know kind of instill that confidence into to people. It's amazing like how powerful your words are as a coach. You know, I mean, imagine if somebody would have came up to you and say, "Hey, you know, you're you're not going to play much here because you're only five eleven. Instead, you know, other coaches will take that mindset like, "Dude, this guy's this guy's a dog, and he's five nine. He goes and he makes plays. I'm going to make this guy feel like a million bucks." You know, so so much yeah. of that, of that I think is coaching. You know, I think a lot of guys say, you know, it's innate ability. He either has it or he doesn't. I, I think that's that's bull crap. That's our job to pull I, it out. No doubt, man. I mean, our our player who won, we had a guy, Diedrich Parsons, who won Rookie of the Year for us. I mean, the dude, he can't be five eight. I mean, if he's five eight, that's like, you know, but <laughs> he's standing on something. As a, and, and 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 you know how powerful coaches words are. His freshman year, he comes into my office. He wants to quit in tears you know once quit he's not he red shirted not playing he came from a prestigious high school in philadelphia that wins a lot of games played a lot of good football you know but nobody gave him a chance because of size we let him walk on at howard and then he went the next year you know he earned the scholarship right i told him like dude you know you're a walk-on like he started last on the depth chart at receiver last on the depth chart running back and he's like coach i can make plays for you i promise you know he's gonna make plays he made one play when we were down against Kent State. He scored a 70-yard touchdown, and he ended up being the rookie there for us, and he was close to 1,000 yards, and he only started running back like six games for us. But, you know, we just found a spot for a guy who was hungry, and he just wouldn't go away. I mean, it was, you know, like the little fly at the cookout. Like, the dude just would not go away, and he just kept fighting and kept fighting, and then, you know, obviously made rookie of the year as a redshirt freshman. And, you know, it's it really is. Like, your your coach just saying, like, you know, you can do it. Don't give up. And then a kid, like the kid has to meet you halfway though. Cause you know, a lot of these kids today, like they hear one thing they don't like and they instantly, you know, quit, you know, here one, you, you know, you might just have to portal. work a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You might have to work a little bit harder for it, but you know, if you, if you, you know, there's, there's light at the end of that tunnel. And I think the kids that can believe that there there's light at the end of the tunnel, you know, and can take hard coaching, um, you know, ultimately reap, reap the benefits. Well, and it's cool how much you gave um, a walk-on the opportunity. There, there's some universities that they'll take, um, you know, walk-ons, but but they're really not going to give them the opportunity to play. Even if they're better uh, at times, you know, or they're close, uh, they, they might let that scholarship guy go and, and 
you know, whether it's ego or whatever it is or height or whatever, you know, some, some universities aren't known for uh, letting those walk-on guys work their way into the starting lineup, even as walk-ons. Uh, but, but there are some universities, you know, Nebraska comes to mind and, and some of those universities sounds like uh, with you coach that, um, you know, obviously the best guy's going to play and, and don't really care if you're on scholarship or not, but let's go win. And in a, a performance-based business, you got to rely on guys that are going to perform at a high level. So whether that's the, you, you know, the, the walk-on or, or the, or the four-star, the three-star, the guy who's performing is ultimately the guy, if we're talking about performance, is, that's going to have to be out there and, and play in my mind. I mean, you know, height, size, none of that, none of that stuff matters. It's going to be the best player that, you know, gives us a chance to win the game, regardless of the, the rankings, you know, the ultimate rankings, whoever ranks these guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Right. Yeah. Coach, you talk a little bit about, I know in your offense, I would imagine, you know, when you're scoring that many points, you, you have to have a QB who's who's generally going to be kind of the, the, the guy out there, you know, having to, to, to lead it and call it and, and check it and things like that. What are some of the things that you're doing to kind of, you know, minimize the risk of, of recruiting QBs? You know, you see a lot of these schools that, that, that just keep swinging and missing, whether it's, you know, a recruiting aspect or a development aspect. You know, you've had pretty good luck from what I've seen with getting QBs, you know, how important is that? And what are some of the attributes you look at in kids to, to come lead your offense? Well, the first thing for me is the guy has to be able to drive the ball deep down the field, mm-hmm. you know, because we're just not going to, we're just not going to major in a ton of quick game. You know, that's just not what we're going to do. So for some coaches, some coaches don't like when they see a highlight tape of a quarterback just throwing the ball deep down the field all over the place. We got a three-star kid, Hollis Mathis, um, and that's all he – I mean, he had great athletes on the team. I mean, he has a dude who's probably going to sign to a power five. You know, he had, like, those type of receivers that could get down the field, and they threw it deep down the field. So, to me, that's what I'm looking for, guys can drive the ball down the field. First and foremost, obviously, arm talent, him getting the ball down the field. But then I look for the things that – you know, you can't coach the DNA as far as, like, is this dude a winner? Is he willing to die out there? And I think that's what separates the quarterbacks, you know, being in an FBS locker room, an NFL locker room, CFL, you know. The quarterback who is willing to die for the team is going to get the guys to play for him. You know what I mean? At, at the end of the day, um, is you know, the best quarterbacks at certain schools don't play, not because they're not – don't have the best arm talent, but just because – the fact that the guys don't necessarily play for that guy. Um, so the leadership qualities and intangibles have to be, you know, high on your priority list. And you have to spend a lot of time watching a guy, getting to know a guy, you know, to see that. You can't just see that at one camp and a guy has a great arm. You, you, you really just you, – you won't be able to see that there. And then the next thing for me is we call our quarterbacks point guards. So a guy that is – he doesn't have to be a great runner – you know, he doesn't have to just, you know, be dynamic. I don't need the guy to be Michael Fitt, but I need him to get us out of bad plays. Um, you know, because we, we treat everything, all of our runs, in, in option, in an option element. They all have an option element to them. So, you know, he's going to have to get us out of bad plays, be fast enough, you know, to get us out of bad plays. So whatever that speed is, you know, I have to say fast enough to get us out of the bad play and make the right read at the right time to make the right play. So, um, I think those are the, the most important things, you know, for me is, you know, arm strength and then all the leadership abilities 
the DNA that, you know, that you can't coast it. It's, you know, his character that he built up over time, whether the way he was raised or, you know, just how he goes out there and competes and how his guys play for him. And then, um, you know, a guy who has some, some adaptability to him, you know, can overcome adversity because there is times where the offensive line is going to get beat. You know, even though the offensive line crew says we're going to block it up perfectly every time, there is going to be some times that we're, that we're going to get beat and and the quarterback's going to have to make us right. And, and that's okay. You know, and a quarterback uh, should have enough confidence and talent to do that. Coach, you talked about how important that leadership mindset is. And, and obviously I couldn't agree, you know, more with that because uh, even – you know, even take a lineman and they're supposed to be, you know, um, all bought in for the team and stuff. But if you got one guy that's kind of a selfish guy but works hard, he's kind of working for him and he's he's your one tackle that's like that, it, it's not a, not a not a huge killer. Uh, you know, if your other four guys are working good and, and he still does what he's what he's supposed to do and, and all that. But no doubt. when you have a quarterback, uh, it's a completely different thing. Uh, you know, he's like you said, the leader, he's got to um, have that leadership mentality and, and um, uh, you know, bring all that together with the team. They've got to be able to follow him and, and uh, maybe not like him, you know, like as a best friend, but they, they like having him as their quarterback. They trust him. And, and you talk about how important that is, and, and I agree. Well, I've always thought that's got to be really, really difficult uh, to figure out in the recruiting process. Is that something that you just have to do over meeting the kid a bunch of times? Because it's really not even one you can ask his, his coaches, I would assume, because most of those coaches, you, when you say, hey, is he a good leader? For the most part, they're going to say, yeah, he's a good leader, but best quarterback we've had here in five years or, or whatever that is. So it, how, how do you try to, to sort through that uh, because that is such a crucial point? Well, the, the one thing, too, is like, a quarterback can't be a me guy. We always talk about for a quarterback, um, we use the verse to whom much is given, much is required. Obviously the quarterback is going to be any good quarterback, right? You got a good quarterback, great quarterback, and we've all been around them. They're going to be the CEO of the team. I mean, they're going to be just as important as the head coach. Right. You know, a lot of, a lot of head coaches won't say that, but that's, I mean, that's just, <laughs> what, it, that's just what it is. You know, the, the quarterback's that important. And, you know, what I do with, with quarterbacks, you know, not giving away all my secrets, but, you know, I'll go, I'll go outside of the, the high school head coach and ask people within the school, you know, just, just people about them, just like what type of person is he? Because you, can, you, can, might, you might be able to fake it, you know, even if you're a football player, you might be able to fake it to the football team, but you can't fake it to, you know, some of your teachers and, and, and people who see you interact every day with people. You know, so just figuring out what type of person is that guy really, you know, when the lights aren't on, you know, like behind closed doors, what type of person that guy is. Because, you know, obviously a high school coach, if your quarterback's winning you a championship, you're going to be singing his praises. You're not really going to tell me all the bad things, you know, like right. some of the, the low lights about him, right? Everybody's trying to give you the highlights, but just find out some low lights. And sometimes there isn't low lights. You know, I've asked a lot of people around about, you know, a quarterback that we, that we got um, in this recruiting class. And there really wasn't any negative about him. And that made me feel even more confident in going on a guy who, you know, doesn't have multiple major offers. You know, you have to be, you have to trust your evaluation as well. Bring up some really good points there, coach. You know, there's a, there's a lot of people that'll be willing to, to, to give, you know, the, the lowdown or the dirt on a, on a kid especially when you, when you get to that school. I think that, that in-person evaluation is so important. You know, you see a lot of these guys 
you know, dishing out offers like they're, they're pennies, you know, just, just tossing them out there and, and seeing what happens. But to me, that's just a position, man, you, you can't miss. And, and you got to really, really do your homework because it, it can set back, you know, not only just, you know, from a record standpoint, it can set back team culture, especially, you know, you being an offensive coordinator, that can set back your offensive culture years if, if you're missing on the wrong dudes. Yeah. I mean, I, I've always – I haven't got a chance to meet Coach Herman, uh, Tom Herman, but I always, you know, sing his praises to my quarterbacks because I say, you know, the one thing is, too, that guys miss on quarterbacks is you got to have all them dudes ready to play now. You, you, you never know. Everybody's one play away. I think that's – at that position, it's missed because it's such an elite position. Right. Uh, but, you know, receiver, you always see there's, what, five, six receivers that rotate in and out of there, running backs. There's three offensive linemen, backups ready to play. There's, you know, every position on the football field, there's multiple guys ready to run in there and play. Where at quarterback, you know, if there's a dude in there, nobody wants to take the dude out. Obviously, he's giving you the best chance to win. But you got to have the rest of those guys ready. And I think, you know, that's one of the, the things, too, that's missed is, you know, once you've got that quarterback in the room, even though he's not playing, he still needs to be, you know, cultivated and, and, and ready to go, you know, if he does get the opportunity to get out there and play. Coach, I think, I think you said you were a high school coach first, right, and then bumped up uh, to, to a college coordinator? Yes, sir. Okay, so, um, and I love asking this, what kind of, um, you know, what kind of gave you that confidence or what gave you that ability? Because I'm sure you had thought about it for a few years and, and kind of asking this for other high school coaches and, and even myself, not that I want to make that jump now, but it's always kind of something in the back of your mind. And, and you know, you, especially if you, if you feel like you do a good job at the high school level, uh, there's always that level up above, you're, you know, kind of makes you wonder. And, and so what were, you know, what kind of gave you that confidence or what was the thing in the back of your mind that finally said, Hey, let's go try this out. Let's go um, move this up to the next level, to the college level. Uh, you know, what, what event, or, or maybe even was it just a few years of you saying, I, I want to do this, I want to do this. And then, and then you just finally made that leap. Um, I think my mindset was, was as of a, I'm a start from the bottom guy. You know, no one's really, you know, giving me much in my life. So I, I've always kind of, you know, if I thought in my mind, if, if I could go from junior college to making it to an NFL locker room that I could climb in the coaching ranks as well. But I didn't think like that when I first started coaching, because in my mind, when I first started coaching, I was still a football player, you know, like, cause I started when I was on injury reserve uh, for right. the Dolphins. So, I, mm -hmm. and I really needed the kids more than they needed me at the time. You know, I was just like, I thought my life was over at 21, you know, like, what am I going to do? I'm a I was making a whole bunch of money, but I wasn't playing. You know what I mean? For the first time in my life, I really could not, you know, figure out, you know, what I was going to do. So um, when I first started coaching, it was just, the, just absolutely all about the kids and servicing the kids, like kids living with me, helping kids out. I remember the coach gave me the stipend the first time and I was like, man, $500, like, what am I going to do with that? Like, I can't do anything with that. You know, like, give it to the kids. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, God, this is what coaches make. I definitely got to go back to playing football. So I actually tried to go back and play football again. And I tore my ACL like the first or second day in Ooh. Canada. So I went straight back and I was like, all right, maybe I'm supposed to be a coach. So I didn't even worry about the money. The first, the first year I coached, I basically coached for, I mean, I coached for, 
you know, I don't, I don't even know if I got what I got paid or what it was, but it wasn't, you know, anything substantial. So I worked the job and coached and the kids kind of always have pushed me up. So kids have pushed me up and, and coaches coming in to see me coach have pushed me up to higher levels. So I'm thinking like dominate the level that you're at and get the kids the best. Mm-hmm. And I always tell coaches like, just love the guys you have and everything else will take care of itself. If you're, if you're putting a quality product on the field and I'm not saying quality and you're winning a state championship because a lot of coaches think they're not a good coach because they don't, they're not winning state championships. And that's not the, the factor you have to, you have to think about the players that you actually have. I mean, there's been teams that I've been on where there wasn't one guy who was going to go to college. You know what I mean? Like right. there wasn't a college division. You know what I mean? Like, so that doesn't determine if you're a good or bad coach or not. It's, are you able to connect? Are you able to get these kids to play for you regardless of their talent level and play at a high level for you and, and get some of the things done uh, for you? So um, players, so when I was a JV head coach, my players were like, man, you were, you're a big-time coach. Coach, you should be coaching that. You should be a high school head coach, or you should be this, you should be that. And I was like, all right, so I'll apply for some high school head coaching jobs. And, and I did that, and I got one. And, um, you know, I met Taj LaPole, uh, Angus McCor, um, Jim Mora, they came and they were recruiting. I had a six, seven kid at my high school. He was a basketball player and I begged him to play football. And he was like, yeah, coach, I'll come out and play football for you. You know, you're a good guy. So you're, you're working hard with the kids or whatever. And he came and played for me. And, you know, his recruiting, obviously when you're six, seven and 250 pounds and, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of people are going to come see you. Um, But the coaches would see how I was running my practices and see how detailed and organized I was. I always say compete at the level you want to be at, you know, so I only knew one way. I saw the way Maljon and Coach Graham ran practice and then, you know, Tony Sperano when I was in the NFL. So, you know, I saw the way they ran practice. So I ran my practices the same way. I didn't care that it was a high school when I only had 18 guys out there some days and some days 25, you know, I just ran it at an elite level. Um, and guys saw me when they come there and I'd have my information detailed about, you know, the approach of what I was doing. And they said, man, you could, you could coach college one day, you know, and a college coach telling you could coach college. You think, well, okay, maybe I'll coach college one day. Um, And, you know, went to the high school ranks and did well as far as I won coach of the year. And, you know, my team had a lot of success and we raised, you know, a million dollars for the the football field. And, you know, and just, and and that year was the year that gave me confidence because I went into a community, a big school in Pennsylvania, was a high school head coach in Pennsylvania, and I took over a team that didn't have a winning season in 20 years. Jeez. And long story short, like we, you know, we had we won a conference championship, and you know we only had one player on that team who went to college, and he went to Villanova, and he was a sophomore at the time that I had him. You know, so it wasn't like we were loaded with all this talent. Um, it was all about the kids buying and believing. We started off with. 40 players and we ended up with 110 or 115 and just so many great things happened over that year it really gave me the confidence to be like you know what I can I can get to college and you know um, I called coach Norvell and I was like I'd really just love it you know whatever you want me to do I'll do it um, he gave me like a GA role quality control role and you know it was hard to go from yeah know, <laughs> high school to you know shut up, get the coffee, Brennan. You don't know nothing. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> being yeah. the head coach that went, went from 40 kids to 110 and then you're the, the GA. 
Yeah, you, you know, that that was, you know, my son was born that year. You know, me and Norvell were actually just talking about this back at the convention. It, that was a lot for me that year. I mean, I had a lot going on. Just, you know, like, man, just, just squash your ego and just get the work done. And, and I think that's – I did great with the kids my first year. I was, like, all about the kids. You know, I kept that high school mindset. But in college, some things have to change. So you're not as close with the kids as you are at the high school level. Um you know, where it's like the kids, it's like you and the kids versus the administration. We're going to win regardless, you know, like <laughs> got that gung-ho spirit, you know what I mean? Like when you're with the high school coach. But I, I really learned a lot being in the room with, you know, Chip Long, Dale Alexander, Norvell, uh, Dilling, uh, Kenny Dillingham. We were all in that room together. And I learned from some great coaches um, and, and got the chance to, you know, really learn what it's like to be a college football coach and how to be detailed in your approach. I think I always had the passion, the love for the game, the connection with the kids, the scheme. You know, I had already started this scheme that people talk about now. I started as a high school coach. But I just learned different things uh, from them and how to be professional about my work and, you know, how to dress every – you know, when you're a high school coach, you, you wear jeans and a T-shirt someday. And, you know, you just yeah, – That's right. You're a high school coach. You know, I'm Still. not wearing a tie and suit. And, you know what I mean? Like, you're not wearing that type of stuff. But, you know, just learning that. Um, and then, you know, went to – Kentucky Christian and this is where I you know you talked earlier about throwing out offers and this is where I learned that the the Alabama Nick Saban model of offering two three hundred kids and that buzz and and how it creates and helps you get players we are Kentucky Christian during the spring and there was probably like 25 to 32 guys on the roster so we couldn't even really do spring ball there wasn't really enough guys I mean it was hard to do spring ball we couldn't even really scrimmage man and we were in Grayson, kentucky there's like one stoplight in this town i mean like there ain't even a walmart in this town like dollar general sells clothes you know what i mean like dollar general got like nike you know what i mean so like i'm there and i'm like all right if we got 80 kids to come there for an unofficial visit in the spring and we signed up like 50 or 60 of those kids and that's when i was like the power of like social media and offering kids and you know, what does it do? Like, obviously, you're not going to get all those kids, right? But if you treat people right and talk to them right and build these relationships, they're going to introduce you to maybe another player. You might not be able to get that guy, but you can get this guy. So I've kind of kept that approach the same. And then, you know, I went to Oklahoma Baptist because, you know, Kentucky Christian, just that, that situation for me just wasn't, wasn't a right fit as far as, you know, living there and all that type of stuff. But yeah. You know, you got to be willing, you got to be willing to move and you got to be willing to, you know, let people call you crazy. And, you know, cause people are going to call you crazy before they tell you congratulations. You know, everybody started somewhere. I mean, reading Nick Saban's book and reading different guys book coach, coach Malzahn started in a, you know, high school coach and, and a trailer park. And now he's at, you know what I mean? Like everybody starts somewhere. So I think with social media now, you see people start from where they're at and you can call them crazier now where it's before you didn't really see that. I mean, it, it really didn't matter how much money you made. If you were a coach, you were just a coach. It didn't matter where you were coaching. You were just happy to be coaching. And, you know, I've moved around. and you got to be willing to do that. So went to Oklahoma Baptist, learned from Coach Gower, great coach. Um, you know, and there was another, another instance of the connection of the player because I had my own room there, had the running backs. And kid Isaiah Mallory made All-American uh, there. Um, and made all conference and, you know, did some great things. And, you know, 
and it just forces you to be a teacher when you're in college. You you really have to you really have to be able to teach. So I, I tell I spend a lot of time with high school coaches in the spring, and I really teach them about teaching, being able to not, not so much be able to like guys think because I played the position, I can coach the position. No, like you have to really be able to to teach it, break it down on the board, show the video on it, you know, show it, install, you know, and maybe walk through the steps for a guy, you know. So it's really that teaching progression that you learn. Uh, when you get into college, um, being being a great teacher, because you're really just teaching football. You're an educator of football, and you're teaching life, and just trying to create, you know, good men that that leave the program successful, um, whether it be in in football or or without without football, you know, and going into the business world or wherever guys choose. But went from there, then I met. So this is about this wraps the story up. So I met Coach London when I was a high school head coach. At, 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 at Waynesboro High School in Pennsylvania. So UVA, he was at the University of Virginia at the time. Me and his son were on the Dolphins together, uh, Brandon London. And I, I was just looking for, you know, to get into their seven-on-seven camp they had at UVA. I was trying to get my kids into the, to the camp because there was a lot of elite teams there. And I'm looking like, I got these, these farm kids, you know, like they're not going to want our team to be in there. Like, you know, we're not going to play in this deal. Um, so I sent him an email. He let he let us join the camp. He let us register in the camp, and then we go up there and we start like beating teams. You know, we're like we're like beating teams and flying around, and we're going up tempo on seven on seven. Now I only know one speed, so we're going fast on seven on seven. And uh, you know, we hit it off, and we just started talking. He was like, "Man, I love the the offense you're running. You guys are going fast and da da da." And you know, just talking to him about life, and we just you know, the one thing about Coach London, he's a guy if you. He's still very old school in his approach. If you email him, he's going to email you back. You're going to get an answer from him. And, you know, we just emailed back and forth. And he told me, you know, he told me that day, if I ever get a chance to hire you, you know, I'm, I'm going I'm to give you a shot. And, uh, you know, when I was at Oklahoma Baptist, I had actually got it in a different job at FBS program for uh, like, a, you know, another like analyst type role, not an on the field role. And, um you know, he called me like, you want to be the offense coordinator here at Howard? Do you have all your stuff together? And I was like, Coach, are you all right? Like, you want to be like, I'm, I'm like, first, I didn't know much about Howard other than, you know, like a whole bunch of celebrities went there. But I didn't, you know what I mean? I was like, when you get an opportunity, man, you're just like, you know, ready. You know, you know so be ready for your opportunity. I already had all the – so, like, when I was at Arizona State, I had been preparing every day to be an offensive coordinator in college. So I had already, like – learned Vizio, learned how to do all this, like, so I had my playbook and everything already organized, how I would recruit, where I would recruit, like, I had it all mapped out and written out, and, you know, boom, he called me, I sent him stuff, and he was like, man, I'm gonna give you a shot, and, you know, the rest is history from there, so, but it's like those small opportunities, every day is an opportunity, are you maximizing each day, you know, are you building great relationships with the people that you meet, and then, like, obviously if you're doing right by the kids, they're going to motivate you and play for you and it's going to catapult you as a, so I'm really a product of the other players uh, and the people that I've been around. I mean, really just them motivate me and pushing me, you know, for me pouring into them and giving them my all every day. I always tell guys to every day that you see me, I'm going to give you the best that I possibly can give you or I'm going to call somebody who knows the answer for you. You know what I mean? So hmm. that's how, that's how a high school coach can rise. I mean, there's all types of different ways. I mean, I've seen guys from high school rise all types of different ways into college. You know, some have great players and, 
you know, the coach wants them because they've got great players or, you know, there's, there's multiple ways you can rise, but that's, that's my path that I, you know, I took. That's awesome. I, I love yeah. hearing that. That's a, that's, that's a great, great uh, story. I don't, I don't want to say story, but it was uh, awesome to hear all of that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I always tell people he has a great plan for you. You know, God has a great plan for you, not an average plan, not a just barely getting by plan. You know, I always tell people that at 16, me and my mom were 15, 16, me and my mom were in a, an abandoned, an abandoned building crying like what are we going to do with our life and then you know to make it to the nfl you know all, like all the stuff like it, it'll all make sense you know you just got to be patient and, and just be persistent keep fighting coach man again lo- love the story love the the passion uh, again I've, I've i've been a, a fan for a while now of, of all the stuff you do and i you know i love the the hashtag go go you know you just seem like you're you're that that personality you know always on the go always going to be aggressive and and that's kind of how you, you you live your life. And then you know I know you'd sent me the message too about um, you guys are the only team in America running kind of the, the two backs right next to each other in the backfield, and you guys are running freaking power out of it. And you you said you're like coach is going to blow your mind, but we run power out of this formation. So do you talk a little bit kind of the the advent of your I don't even know what you call it. So I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let you tell the story. But I know for me I'm like hey man I love it. This is another way to run power. Yeah, so that that whole two back deal came from like just studying football. I just like I got this Apple TV for a present, and then yeah, I found yep. I found I, I found a highlight of Roger Staubach, like his Heisman Trophy campaign and him winning the Heisman, and then it just got me like it just like was like an aha, you know, like Einstein moment. I just started like can't eat, can't sleep, just watching all these films of old film and it was always like these two backs you know key formation the far near deal and I'm like there has to be some merit to this if football was like this for like 60 years where they had two backs in the backfield and they were doing all these different formations and motions you know and wing t type stuff and I just like got immersed in it but long story short I was like all right we're gonna do this out of shotgun because I still want to go fast and I still want to you know, I don't. I know under center stuff well. West Coast. I played in that in junior college, so I know it. I know it a, a pretty well, but not enough to you know run a whole offense from it. Um, so I started doing the two back stuff, and I put the steps together. How we line up the back side by side beside the quarterback, and how we're going to do all these things. And and year one at Howard, our best run was you know a divide zone play that we ran. Uh, it was, you know, you had outside zone to the left, and the quarterback would read right to the right we run it weak and we had a lot of success run you know five six yards five five six yards to carry we averaged out of that play and we ran it probably 170 times in the season right and we had a ton of success and then this year it was like we had a bigger line so you always want to adapt to your line we only had one returning starter on the offensive line and we had some, and we had some freshmen a lot of freshmen playing um, so we're like, all right, we're a little bit bigger on the line. We're not as, we're not as quick and we're not as smart, you know, cause we had older guys, obviously older guys and, you know, play football and they can adjust on the fly. So, mm-hmm. uh, when you're running zone. So this year we ran power out of it and it was, I just did the scout on it. It was seven, 7.2 yards of carry. We ran it six, 64 times this year and we got 7.2 yards to carry on it. And we hit a lot of one play drives on the deal. So, Basically, one of the backs is going to kick out the end. The other back is going to power shuffle downhill. And it's the egg gap, egg gap mentality. We're going straight downhill right at you. But 
the also the other key element on that deal is the quarterback can pull the ball at that end is trying to kill the other back. So now the quarterback's on the edge as well. So you get a lot of different elements, and it plays out a lot of different ways based off of, you know, the defensive front or how they're going to play, you know, box it or spill it with the end. So, um, you know, pay dividend for us this year, and, uh, you know, we'll continue to – obviously we're going to do what's best with what our line can block the best, but, you know, power was definitely a great play for us this year. That's awesome. I love hearing it A to A too, because uh, just from from my experience of watching it and, and pouring over film of power, uh, those are when guys hit to me the really explosive explosive plays because they're not taking a bunch of steps or uh, you know switching in the hole or, or have to bounce a little bit to hit it. It's almost just straight downhill. Don't break stride. Go straight ahead. And and uh, we, I see a lot of explosive plays when they do hit it front side or backside A? Yeah, our running back coach did a great job of teaching those guys the fast flow read on that backside linebacker. So if he tried to, you know, come over fast and boom, they had the backside A, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it played out. I mean, it was it was beautiful. And like I told you earlier, uh, the good beat with Parsons. I mean, he made that play go. I mean, he had a lot of just home run just straight down. I mean, it's beautiful when you just see it go – Right down. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, that's right. I mean, it's the same as a deep post for a touchdown. I mean, it's just poetry. So anytime you can hit that thing right downhill, I think North Dakota State does the best for a straight downhill power. Um, But, you know, I I loved what we were able to do out of it this year. Agreed. I've got a lot of film on them and they're all there. I love getting to watch those guys do it. And like I said, that's that's a lot of the ones that I've seen is, is those guys when they hit it. Hit it A or backside A when that linebacker wants to play over the top hard or, or the backside shade wants to really uh, swim over the top hard, uh, that backside A just hits it and it's it's a big, big play. Uh, I want to get back just real quick. Uh, we're running uh, close to an hour now, but I want to get back. You you talked about uh, you were just coming out of, of playing in the NFL. You, you're pretty sure your your career is coming, coming to an end. and And I think there's a lot of guys that feel that, whether that's um, I don't know so much high school, but I would assume high school, college, and NFL, guys that have been football players their whole life, and then it, it's over, right, which is one of the unfortunate things about football is, is when it's over, it's it, it's done, and there's no there's no playing it. There's no even really playing it with your buddies. Once football's over, it's over, and, and especially at the college level, and I would assume even more at the pro level, that's it's all your life is about because if you're going to play, it's got to be all your life is about, and, and then – all of a sudden, one day it's it's not there at all anymore. So it's from a hundred to to zero, and, and so many guys get their their um, you know their self intertwined with football, where, where they think of themselves not as themselves, but as a football player. And then that's taken away. It's a it's a big blow, and it, and a lot of guys get left feeling lost. I, I know that was a a weird thing for me, even and and um, it, it's something that. You know, college coaches, they hire a bunch of guys to come in and tell their guys, hey, don't get caught up in this. You're not just football players. And and uh, from what it seemed to me, at least in my from where I was, uh, the, the guys that were already playing football were saying, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He's washed up. He's just not a good enough football player. He doesn't know how important it is. Uh, and so it's even one of those things that when you're in it, um, it's hard to see. But have you come with any advice? I'm sure you've met thousands of those guys that are that are finishing their football career, uh, or even just from your own experience. Do you have any advice for those guys, or 
or uh, maybe even what you did or just info or tips for those guys that are getting out. Um, now football career is over and, and I don't want to say they're feeling lost or depressed, but they're just, it's a, it's a weird deal. And I, and I think I know, you know what I'm talking about because cause you kind of touched on that. Yeah. I mean, I know for us tough football players, we, we talk about, you know, we don't like to talk about the, the mental health type stuff. Cause you know, that's, we're, we're taught to, you can't get sick. You can't get tired. You know, you always push through, you always find a way. But, you know, that depression does set in for guys. And I think the, the biggest thing is you have to remember what the game gave you, right? So, like, a lot of people think when football is over, and I know myself included, I thought I'm speaking, you know, to myself as well, when, you know, the game is over and you have that, whether it be an injury or you're just not good enough, you know, whatever the case may be, you're right. just not, mm-hmm. it, it's just done, right? And you're just thinking, like, man, like, I hate football. and I wasted all this time doing this. You know, I played since I was five, six years old. So that's a long time, right? Right. It, you know, that's 15 years of work. And you know what I mean? And you're like, heck, you know, like, what am I going to do? And I think the thing for me was when I went into a different workspace, when I tried to go into, you know, a college admissions job. And I remember talking to the guy and he was like, you know, he was kind of pouring into the fire of, yeah, you shouldn't have wasted your time with football and da 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 da. da. And I started thinking like, but it was him saying those things to me that reminded me of all the great things and you know all the places football took me and the education it gave me. Like there was no way that I was getting a Tulsa degree if it wasn't for for football. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I'm not going to Tulsa if 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 I'm not a, a solid football player, right? So the game is you know ultimately the vehicle that takes you everywhere, and I think that try not to get bitter about it and just start thinking about like, it wasn't a burden on you if you didn't make it. It was really a blessing for you and the things that it did give you. And then just like trying to give some of that back. So some guys like, you know, guys are going to get into different fields. You know, not everybody wants to go into coaching football, but I think still being around the game, because it's hard to just say, I'm going to go cold Turkey off of football and never look at football again and hate football and, you know, that's unrealistic when you've been around it your whole life. And I think the guys revived me when I started coaching. Um, you know, even though I didn't want to coach because I still felt like I was a player and I was making money like like I was, you know, like a whatever. You know what I mean? I was making really good money at a, at a young age at 21, making a ton of money and thinking like, oh, you know, you think you're invincible. Like, oh, I'm going to bounce back and. I'll be fine. I'm not going to, you know, for me, it was an injury. So I'm thinking like, oh, okay, whatever. I'll be back. I'll be good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, being around those guys, the laughs, the jokes, the locker room, the, the, you know, everybody joking on you and, you know, that thing, <laughs> being around the team, you know, it just kept me being like, all right, boom, you know, being vibrant, and keeping your spirit up. So I see guys that get in different fields, they still help coaching. They still help you know, in some ways, you know, in the game, whether it's coaching their own kid or coaching, you know, different things, I think it helps you still being around the game. And I think that's what, what fuels you. If, you. if you've done something since you can remember, if football is your first memory, you know, it's hard to say you're not going to – you have a long lifespan. That's 21, 22, even 23 years old. Even if you're a professional football player who's played till you're 30, 40 years old, say you move to your 60, it's a lot of years. Right. You still have left, you know, so yes, you're more than a football player, but at the same time, that is part of your DNA if you've done it for a long time. So 
Um, it's hard to just give the game up completely. I tell those guys to get out there and just, you know, help a kid. Even if it's just helping a kid do drills, that'll make you feel better. You know, you don't have to get into coaching, but there's all types of ways that you can impact the game without playing the game. And um, that's the one thing that I tell people. You can still impact the game without, without uh, you know, being crossing the white line and playing. That's so important for that, that mindset you talk about, Coach. Sometimes, you know, guys, just you, you can get mired in, you know, the, the negativity or it's even the people you hang around with, you know, that are, that are saying, you know, yeah, you shouldn't have done this or you could have done that. It's like, no, man, that, focus on all the, the great things. I mean, all the people you met, the, the things you learned, and, and ultimately, you know, it ends up being a, the career that you love now. Because you think about it, I mean, there's guys from neighborhoods like I grew up in in Pittsburgh mm-hmm. that have college degrees who are, are in prison now. Or, and, and all they had to do is reach back to a relationship that they had met. They met a booster. They met an athletic director. They met someone who could have gave them a job or helped them out. But they thought, oh, I'm not playing football no more. Let me go back to this environment instead of, you know, using all the positive relationships that you get from this game. and people that you're around there's so many things that you can leverage you know because we are blessed as football players you know right now there's an attack on the game and it says that we should be paid more and you know college players get this and that and I feel like college players should get more they should you know you are risking your life and you you know there's a lot that goes into it schools make a lot of money especially at the power five level Mm -hmm. but at the same time football does give you a lot of opportunities that a lot of people will, will never get um, so you have to, you have to definitely look at it as, as a blessing and not a burden and, and, and identify with the relationships that you make and not just the scoring touchdowns or not scoring touchdowns or being, you know, being on the field, you have to, you know, identify with some of those relationships because, you know, there's a lot of great people that have helped me. Um, and I never did anything to help their career, but because I shook their hand and I was a nice guy and you know, I played football and I met them through football. They've helped me, you know, in my life through certain, certain things and, you know, help open doors for me. So um, I think guys have to look at those relationships that created why they were playing football. Well, coach, uh, last question I like to ask everybody and especially offense coordinators, but uh, when you're watching film and you're watching another team's offensive line, uh, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think really highly of their offensive line coach? Um, I love when guys can, can communicate and sort out the protection, mm-hmm. right? I, I love to see when offensive linemen can be coaches on the field out there and I see them sorting out the protections. Um, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a great coach because a lot of people think everything in football happens in a book and it really, you know, sorts out differently all the time out on the field than what you right. thought it might be on the board or in the book. And when you see guys communicating, and, 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 and doing the right thing on film, that's, that's one of the things that makes me go, okay, that guy is definitely a good coach over there because he's giving the guys the confidence to, to problem solve. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com 
Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.